today on CityCast Denver. 20 years ago, Denver's publicly funded educational downtown aquarium was going bankrupt and it was purchased by a seafood restaurant. Isn't that a conflict of interest? And so it's this weird, it feels designed to be interactive, but also you shouldn't be interacting with it. Westward's Katie Cheshire talked to numerous current and former aquarium employees who are speaking out about alleged animal abuse and labor issues at this tourist trap disguised as an educational experience. Today is Monday, January 31st, 2022. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. Well, Katie Cheshire, welcome to CityCast Denver. Hello. So Katie, I have to tell you, I went to the aquarium the first year it was open in 1999 when it was Ocean Journey. And I kind of remembered it being more like a zoo. It had this like vaguely public good feel to it. And that is really no longer the case. I'd love to start there. What, What changed when it went from Ocean Journey to the aquarium? So Ocean Journey was partially funded by the city of Denver. So there was a lot more oversight with Ocean Journey. People were able to kind of put input into it a lot more easily. And then also there was just the accountability of we gave you money, so you have to do something good. And then once it was purchased by Landry's, now it's a private company and there's really not a lot of oversight there. Um, except for the Association of Zoos and Aquariums, which is a nonprofit organization and they accredit the aquarium, but they don't really have an enforcement mechanism. So now if you go to the aquarium, you can kind of tell what it used to be, but it's just not the same from what I've heard. Okay. So you heard from several employees about problems within the aquarium. What did they tell you? So the employees told me that the aquarium has problems both for the animals in the exhibits and then for the people who work there. As far as the animals, they are neglected or in the case of the stingrays, they are allowed to be touched at all times, regardless of whether that would be good for them. And then as far as the people who work there, they are not supported by management. They're not able to provide an educational experience for guests because of that. And they are told they have to come in to work if they're sick and they can't rely on their paychecks. That's so weird. So when we were talking to Patty Calhoun, your editor, uh, she said she made you go visit the aquarium and eat the food there. Um, can Can you talk about what that experience was like? So going in, Patty emailed me and she said, and if you can stomach it, go to the restaurant. (laughs) I was like, I can do it. It'll be fine. I'm young. I can take a sick day if I have to. If you don't feel good. (laughs) Yeah, because several employees told me they got food poisoning from eating there. Um, Oh, my god! And one of them said she quit because of that. Wow. But as I was walking through the aquarium, it kind of slowly eroded my will to want to eat at the restaurant because (laughs) I was walking through and I saw how kind of shoddy it is yeah i was going oh gosh 
if this is the practice here, what's the practice in the restaurant? If this is the scene, what is the unseen? <laughs> right. right. And so I went to the restaurant and I was basically the only person there. I went at like 2 p.m. on a Wednesday when it was snowing. So sure. Not a hot time for a restaurant period. Mm -hmm. And the waitress was really nice and very attentive. So the experience was good, you know, being seated, being waited on. But I was just looking at the fish kind of swimming in the tank that you can see. And I was thinking to myself, I, I cannot eat the seafood here. <laughs> <laughs> so I went for a chicken sandwich because I thought it'd be the safest thing to eat. And it was fine. It was a lot of food. <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking about my producer, Paul, and I were talking about like if Casa Bonita had animals, <laughs> it would be sort of disorienting. And it kind of sounds like that's the feel here is like, are animals even supposed to be a part of this restaurant, you know? Exactly. And it's really weird. All of the tanks, well, not all of them. That's probably an exaggeration. Most of the tanks are open to the top where you could reach into them and touch the fish. And it's very odd. And the employees told me that no one really walks around to police if people are touching the fish in these open top aquariums. And I mean, I'll admit, I'm walking around, I'm going, I could totally touch a fish right now. Like, I have no desire to do that, but you could if you wanted to. And so it's this weird, it feels designed to be interactive, but also you shouldn't be interacting with it. It's not like this place is a roadside attraction. It's literally in the middle of the city. School children go there to learn. I mean, it's like, you know, it's a field trip place. Um, but it sounds like it's like on the verge of being unregulated. How how is that? What did you discover in doing your research into the sort of accreditation and the and the oversight that this place should have? That was really the most shocking part to me writing the story is Patty Calhoun asked me, "Who's in charge of this?" and I was like, "I am not kidding. I really don't think it's anyone." And she didn't believe me, not in a she was doubting me way, but she was like, <laughs> "Someone has to be in charge of this." Yeah. And so I called like every government agency you can think of, I called OSHA and they do regulate it for the workers, but obviously not the animals. I called the Department of Labor, which didn't answer. I called Colorado Parks and Wildlife, which has long had this exemption that they don't regulate the aquarium. I called PACFA, which regulates pets in the state and they don't regulate it because they're not pets. The closest is the USDA, and they oversee it under the Animal Welfare Act. But the Animal Welfare Act specifically does not include fish. It only applies to warm-blooded mammals. Which there are some of in this <laughs> place. Yeah, and so the USDA does regulate those species. It hasn't really found any problems in its recent inspections, um, and they said any questions about fish should be referred to the Association of Zoos and Aquariums, which told me that it doesn't really have a way to get things changed. So something you might not realize if you've never been inside the aquarium is that in addition to the fish, they also have Sumatran tigers on display. Can you can you talk about that aspect? Landry says that the reason the tigers are there is they want to support tiger conservation. Um, tigers are an endangered species. There's more living in captivity than in the wild. So that's like the stated reason. I think in terms of entertainment purposes, when I went, there was toddlers there and they loved the tiger. It's like the most sure. exciting part. But 
it just doesn't really make sense to have tigers there in an enclosed space that's just not that big. Good evening, everyone, and welcome. We are broadcasting live from the Wild Animal Sanctuary, the world's largest sanctuary for carnivores here in Keensburg, Colorado, just east of Denver. Any conversation about big cats and conservation in Colorado has to include the Wild Animal Sanctuary. Founded in 1980, they have more than 10,000 acres of open space in Keensburg for tigers, lions, and other big cats to run wild. And these big cats all come from the private tiger trade and the kind of ramshackle pseudo-zoos that most people first saw on the Netflix show, Tiger King. Many of the operations you saw on Tiger King, such as Joe Exotic's GW Zoo, have been closed. And their animals now live in extraordinary freedom here at the Wild Animal Sanctuary. And you brought up the Wild Animal Sanctuary, which is here in Keensburg, and you spoke to someone there, um, and they provide open space for big cats um, to live comfortably. What did that person tell you about the tiger enclosures at the aquarium? She said that it's too small. Mm -hmm. She compared it to rooms in a house. I think more generously, it's probably the size of an average family home in the suburbs, but still not very big for tigers. For tigers, yeah. And then the, the other problem is she's concerned that most of the features are built with concrete and that can have bad effects for tigers' joints and their muscle tone. So that's kind of a big concern is they're not being able to exercise well. And then she also is concerned with their lack of fresh air and access to open space. If you had a dog, you have to walk it. So at least your dog gets to go outside. The tigers aren't getting walked around in the open air even. In your story, you also detail that this isn't just tech. It seems like a tough place to be an animal, but it's also maybe not great on um, the employee side. Can you talk about some of the labor issues that they told you about? Yeah, and interesting to me as well as since the article was published, several more people have reached out saying that it was the worst experience of their lives working there um, and that they don't work there anymore because of that. The employees who I spoke to said that the scheduling is inconsistent and it impacts their budget that they can't really rely on the paycheck. Um, When they're there, management doesn't stand up for them with conflicts with customers. They're kind of left out to just deal with everything by themselves. If they say, hey, this is a problem, can we fix it? They're just sort of told to keep their heads down. And the biggest thing they said is that what they're told by the management in Denver is that they can't do anything to upset the corporate office. So they feel like there's not even a way for them to advocate for themselves because it's levels so far above them. Did you get any sense of like what could be done or what needed to be done to fix the problems there? I honestly don't think so. The employees told me they think if the public cared enough, something would change because they would lose business and then lose money. But it's busy every time I drive by there. Right. So that's kind of the problem is people are not aware of the situation, I think. And most people are not experts in tiger care or experts in marine life care. So even if you have an interest or care for animals, you maybe don't know if the exhibits are what they really need. 
were you able to get in touch with anyone at Landry's, the restaurant entity that owns the aquarium? No. When I wrote about the mask mandate problems, they did reply and say, you know, we really care about the safety of our guests. Um, when I was writing this article, I reached out and I gave them at their request, a list of the concerns and problems. And after that, I emailed them probably five or six times and they never responded again. I'm so curious to see if something comes out of your reporting because I've long not been interested in going there. My sister came home to visit a couple of years ago and said, oh man, we went to the aquarium and it was extremely depressing to see the state that the animals are in. But I do wonder if this will open up some conversations for folks in the city who maybe have patronized it before and think, maybe I don't want to go there anymore. Katie Cheshire, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. And here's what else is happening in Denver today. Fees for parking violations are going up starting tomorrow. According to Denverite, if you park your car or truck in a bike lane, crosswalk, or sidewalk, you'll be fined $65, up from the usual $25. Think you're entitled to park in an accessible space but you aren't disabled? That will cost you $350, up from just $150. The Department of Transportation and Infrastructure thinks charging more for bad behavior will encourage drivers to seek alternative modes of transit. But I somehow doubt that. We drivers are a selfish bunch. Employees at the Starbucks on Colfax in Milwaukee have taken their first steps to unionize. They join employees at more than 30 other Starbucks across the country, including one in Superior. Denverite reports that employees cite low wages, violence from customers over mask requirements, and a company culture shift from caring about the craft of coffee to the cash flow as reasons for unionizing. As a sucker who pays almost $7 for an oat milk latte at Starbucks several times a week, I'd love to see the baristas make a bigger cut from my bad choices. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you're new to the show, welcome. If you're enjoying what you hear, we'd love your help spreading the word. Tell a friend about us, rate the show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're looking for even more Denver stuff, subscribe to our morning newsletter at denver.citycast.fm. I'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you later. If your car, truck, box, bark, <laughs> if your car, truck, blocks. <gasps>